When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The 2023 NFL Draft is now officially open. Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young. The trade has just been made. They are grabbing it by the neck. You know, it's time to work. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Guys, we got to keep working and do the best. You know it's my time. You know it's my time. Got to keep mine. Got to keep mine. Hey, you know that I'm a shot. You know that I'm a shot. Be the haters all behind. It's about to go down. I don't never slow down. Yeah. Not gonna lie, I missed the draft, but the draft is over. Now it's time for the rookies to hit the field as seven rookie minicamps start today around the NFL. The Colts, Ravens, Jets, Eagles, Bears, Packers, and Giants, all of them on the field. And wait till you hear the outlook for the Giants after the draft later in the show. Hello, welcome to NFL Live. That right there, Kimberly Martin, Lewis Riddick, Mina Kimes, Matt Miller, Bill Barn will be joining us as well as NFL Live debut on Field Yates. But let's begin in Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson, who got out the practice field with his fellow rookies for the first time today. The Colts took the Florida quarterback fourth overall. They're hoping he can improve upon the result of a, excuse me, he can improve upon their results of a revolving door of veteran quarterbacks brought in in recent years. One thing to keep in mind with Richardson, only started 13 games during his career at Florida. He's tied with Mitch Trubisky, Trubisky for the fewest starts in college by a quarterback drafted in the first round over the last 20 years. That lack of experience combined with his immense talent is what made him such an interesting prospect in this year's draft. Check out Colt GM Chris Ballard talking about why the team felt so strongly about Richardson. I didn't want to look up and watch him be a superstar somewhere else. Like, if he's going to be a superstar, he's going to be a superstar for the Colts. Fortunately for us, it, it worked out. Referring to him, Lewis as the potential for a grand slam, but let me ask you, with a player this inexperienced, should Anthony Richardson start right away? Look, Field, I think what the Indianapolis Colts need to do is just kind of take this organically and be patient with it. I don't think this is a situation because of how wonderfully talented he is both from a physical perspective and from a makeup perspective. And I believe, you know, makeup is a part of your overall talent equation. I don't think you have to force him on the football field simply because you have been so devoid of talent at that position and you want so badly to unleash him on the NFL and unleash him on your fan base in particular and say, hey, look, we've got one that's special now. Again, we've got one that looks like Andrew. We've got one who potentially, we hope, can have the kind of career that Peyton has if everything falls correctly. I think... You need to err on the side of caution with him. You're not looking for a one-game, one-month, one-season wonder. You're not looking for just one big play. You're not looking for one big run. You're looking for two, three contracts worth of production. And for him, I think it's, it would behoove you to kind of take it slow as far as his mental development in the game, as far as all the different things he's going to see by virtue of the fact that the NFL is the highest level of competition and he only has a limited number of starts in the NFL. And I think it would also behoove you to say, hey, look, let's just – continue to make sure that this offensive line as it gets you know back on track in particular at the left tackle position where we got to figure out some things let's make sure that's on track too let's make sure these wide receivers are good to go let's make sure Jonathan's healthy you know Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and then you know what if that means by week four or five you put him in there put him in there if you think he's ready by week one then I guess put him in there 
I would just take this very slow because I'm looking to play the long game with him because I want this guy around and I want him absolutely retiring in Colts blue and white. Yeah, Lou, I think that's one good thing about Chris Ballard is they are going to be, they're going to take it slow. They're not going to throw him out there before he's ready. I happen to think that he can get up to speed faster than a lot of people believed pre-draft because of the situation that he's landing in. We've spoken so much about Shane Steichen coming from the Philadelphia Eagles, where he was the offensive coordinator, helped develop that beautiful scheme for Jalen Hurts. I think you can do the same thing in Indianapolis if he is proven to be mentally ready throughout training camp, preseason. I see someone that could be like Josh Allen was a rookie. Josh started 11 games as a rookie. He threw 10 touchdowns, but he threw 12 picks. He also added 631 yards on the ground and eight touchdowns rushing. I think Anthony could come out and have that type of rookie year where he, he gets about 18 touchdowns out there. It could be a little bit bumpy. There could be some roller coaster moments, but trying to lock in the mechanical changes he's made to his footwork, to his lower body mechanics when throwing, I think it's important for him to do that. As you said, he started 13 games in college. He needs to lock in those changes that he's made to his game, Mina. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm not terribly worried about the transition in large part because of what you said, Matt, which is the staff uh, that Indianapolis has put in place. I think about the contrast between Hertz and Justin Fields, who came into the NFL and his first full year as a starter was put in a box schematically that wasn't really tailored to his skill sets and didn't capitalize on his rushing ability in a way that we saw last year. Meanwhile, with Hertz, uh, you might remember halfway through his first season, their head coach Nick Sirianni ceded play calling duties to Steichen, and that's when the offense became much more centered on his running ability. That sort of gave him a floor to work from. And then next year, this last season, he took this big leap as a passer. Well, the fact that the Colts have the coach who did that is very encouraging because uh, while I share Lewis's apprehension when it comes to the offensive line, did gel a bit towards the end of the season, and maybe it's not the best group of skill players in the NFL. The one thing I'm not worried about is a coaching staff not building an offense that eases his transition into the league. Yeah, so I was in Indy for the draft, and I sat down with Chris Ballard, their GM, and we talked about that. Whichever QB they were going to draft, we were going to uh, construct this offense around his particular skill set. What was he looking for? A QB who was going to come in and not try to be Superman, someone who would just drive the car. I talked mm -hmm. about Richardson in particular. This is before they drafted him, and he said, he's somebody, immense talent. He needs time. So from the outside looking in, I would hope you would not draft Anthony Richardson, yeah. knowing the ceiling and not resetting the clock, not giving him time to develop with a new head coach, with a new system, after only 13 starts. So I think the Colts, despite all their misses at QB, they have an opportunity to do it the right way and build this offense the right way and give their young QB time to grow. Yeah, you know what's interesting about this, about that, you know, is the fact that, Kimberly, I, I believe this offense isn't that far away. And, look, and I'm with you, and I'm with Chris. I, I do believe that they have, you know, the luxury of time. And even if they don't think they do, they need to kind of make it yes. the, a situation where they have the luxury of time. Because, again, it does, you're, what are you, you're not proving anything to anyone if you put him out there week one. Because he can take an RPO like he did, you know, or, or a zone read like he did against Texas A&M and go 60 yards and outrun pursuit doesn't mean necessarily that he's ready to play you know, 45, 55, 60 snaps a game against the best defenses in the NFL just because he did that in college on a few occasions. I think they really do need to be methodical in this situation because of the fact that 
He is so unique in terms of what he can bring to the table and the fact that you do have Gardner Minshew there who can teach him some things in regards to what it means to be a pro. And see, this is when I say what it means to be a professional, you know, the game isn't just about what you're doing between the lines. There's going to be a huge transition for this young man, you know, because of the fact that he's coming from college to the pros. He doesn't have, know what to expect, what the kind of expectations are going to be put on him here. And I, I just think that, look, with, with these kind of guys, if I was a general manager, I would be definitely trying to slow things down to make sure that he's ready to roll instead of speed him up. All right, That's so all I'm we, saying. What we don't know right now about Anthony Richardson is how long it's going to be until he starts. What we do know is that he's already already impressing his teammates. This comes from our Colts reporter, Stephen Holder. Colts rookie receiver Josh Downs on day one of rookie camp as he went out to catch balls from Anthony Richardson in the hotel parking lot <laughs> last night. Didn't waste. He didn't want to waste any time. His first impression of Richardson Quote, his arm is crazy. <laughs> that right there. You may recall that the Eagles defeated the 49ers in the NFC Championship game last year. The game that was pretty close until San Francisco quarterback Brock Purdy went down with an elbow injury. That was followed by Josh Johnson suffering a concussion that led Purdy back into the game, but basically had no functionality. Debo Samuel apparently still bitter about the loss. He told Complex.com the reason they lost was, quote, because we played with 10 people. Mina, last I checked, it's May. That being said, does Debo Samuel have a point? I mean, yes, he does. It sounds salty, and it's entirely possible that even with Brock Purdy, <laughs> the Eagles would have beat them, but they did lose because they didn't have a quarterback, or at least, you know, that is what prevented them from winning. I don't really see how anyone could dispute that. They were playing with one hand almost literally tied behind his back. Again, I'm, the Eagles might have beaten them. I'm not saying that, but it was not a fair fight by any means. It wasn't, but can we get the number that bust that just hit Josh Johnson? My goodness, <sighs> just throwing my man straight under it. Uh, no, they're right, though. I mean, that game was, was tragic. We were talking about Christian McCaffrey or Kyle Juszczyk playing quarterback in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, yes, there's some bitterness. The NFC needs this rivalry, though. The AFC has all the great young quarterbacks. The NFC needs this Niners-Eagles rivalry to really pop off and give us that, you know, East Coast, West Coast thing going again. Yeah, from, from my intel about that game, the 49ers thought that they could tear them apart as far as throwing the football in that game. The wide receivers in particular, you know, Brandon Ayuk was, and Debo Samuel both were disappointed in the fact that they didn't have anybody that could get the ball to them. You saw how that game started off early on. They were going to throw the rock against the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. It yeah. would have been cool to see how it would have played out because I think that game would have been very, very, very close. Oh, for sure, because I covered that game. And to watch players walk, 49ers players walk into that post-game press conference, all of them ticked off, just deflated because they know that that was a game that they feel they could have won. And even uh, even George Kittle said, what do I feel about not having any healthy quarterbacks? Yeah. It bleeping sucks. Like, that that's how they felt. So I'm not surprised <laughs> that they are still salty about it to this day. I'm a little surprised because it's Cinco de Mayo, but what do I know? I think <laughs> yeah. it's time for what us all to that? move forward here. We are on <laughs> to the 2023 season. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. Did the Jets do enough in the draft to help new quarterback Aaron Rodgers still get used to that one? Find out why Lewis thinks they'll have their work cut out for them in the AFC East. Plus, the flip side of the Rodgers saga, how will the Packers fare with quarterback Jordan Love at the helm? Hear why Mina thinks the defense will be the unit under the most pressure this year in Green Bay. NFL Live is brought to you by Marvel Studios, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. In theaters everywhere now.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. It is official. There's a lot of reasons why the Jets are attractive. A team like the Jets, who you know have always been the Jets, that's not the same old Jets. You know, this is a good football team. I still have that fire, and I want to play, and you work. Rogers steps and fires. A thing of beauty. Man, what a week in New York as Aaron Rodgers made his debut at the Jets facility, starting workouts with his new teammates. Then today, the rookie class showed up, including first-round pick Will McDonald and second-round pick Joe Tittman, a center from Wisconsin, whose mullet aptly named the Wisconsin <laughs> waterfall. He's going to keep it, and he's going to continue to grow it out. Matt, what do you think of the Jets draft, and particularly how it pertains to helping Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, Field, I, I think they got jumped for the for the last remaining left tackle to come and play right away by the Pittsburgh Steelers when Broderick Jones went. I have to be honest, I don't think they did enough to help Aaron Rodgers up front. They did not get a starting caliber left tackle. They drafted Carter Warren in the fourth round from Pitt, and while he has started 40 games in college, there's injury concerns. And this is a player that when I talked to scouts before the draft, they thought, ah, he's probably going to play right tackle in the NFL. This is probably going to be a position change, maybe even a guard. They draft Joe Tipman, the center that you mentioned, in round two, but they had just signed Connor McGovern, a free agent center, a couple days before the draft so that they wouldn't have to go after a center. We have to remember Elijah Vera Tucker, who moved from left guard to right guard last year, tore his triceps, the very play after Brees Hall, tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of changing moving parts on this Jets offensive line that wasn't that good a year ago. So if it's still Dwayne Brown, if it's Max Mitchell or Mekhi Becton at right tackle, guys, the offensive line in New York is a big question mark, and it's why if I had to do it right now, I would say the Bills and Dolphins are still ahead of the Jets, even with the great Aaron Rodgers there at quarterback. Yeah, I think so. there's still definitely some concerns when you're talking about this offensive line. And look, I, I like Joe Tipman a lot. I think he's a guy who's a ready-made starter at the NFL, despite some people feeling as though he needs to change positions and maybe move to guard. I think they got a good one. The tackle position is going to still be a problem. And you know that there are some very, very good edge rushers that can make life real miserable you know, for, for Aaron Rodgers. But what I do love about this football team is the fact that, look, at the wide receiver positions, I mean, they are set at the skill positions. They're set at wide receiver. Garrett Wilson is going to take a huge jump. Alan Lazard is going to help him with that. At tight end, I love Tyler Conklin. I loved him when he was in Minnesota. I think that he's going to love Aaron Rodgers, obviously. I think at running back, 
with the return to health of Brees Hall and the drafting of a guy like Izzy Abanacanda from Pitt. I mean, they have one of the best running back rooms in the NFL, period. Yep. Period. And then on the defensive side, look, Will McDonald, is this going to juice up this already good pass rush? And the secondary will be good to go. Look, I, I think this team, although it, it's made some improvements, the offensive line is still an issue. Everybody knows that I like some other teams in the East anyway. But I, I think right now they're they're closer. <laughs> they're much, much closer. We'll have to keep a real close eye on that offensive line, though. Yeah, Lewis, the word that I think about when I think of the Jets all year, it's going to be chemistry. It's not just the chemistry of the offensive mm. line and the new pieces. It's now they have a new OC. Granted, not new to Aaron Rodgers, but you've got new new skill players and Alan Lazard, and you've got guys coming in, and Randall Cobb, obviously. Um, so chemistry is going to be key. How quickly does Aaron Rodgers develop chemistry, whether it's going to be Tipman or it's going to be McGovern with his center and, and his, the rest of his offensive line, but also the skill players. But as somebody who covered the same old Jets, it's very hard to not look at this team and get excited because just the addition of Aaron Rodgers, you think, okay, this at least offsets some of the deficiencies that might be here. But again, Aaron Rodgers, if we're being objective, he is closer to 40 than he is 20 or even 30. So you don't want a player at that age to then have to be worrying about chemistry on my offensive line. So it is a concern. I don't know. I'm a little bit less concerned about you guys on the offensive line because of, again, this bi-level haircut for Joe Tippett. <laughs> Business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> Take a look at this, the Wisconsin waterfall who says he might keep the mower around longer than expected, especially with Joe Douglas, the GM, giving it a shout-out at the draft. Let's go from the Jets to Aaron Rodgers' former team. And, again, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around that one as the Packers got their rookie camp started today. They took Lucas Van Ness in the first round, followed by a couple of pass catchers. It'll be a much different pass catching group as Jordan Love tries to replace the aforementioned Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They selected five total wide receivers or tight ends in last week's draft. That was tied for the most by any team in a single draft since it went back to a seven-round format back in 1994. That includes a pair of tight ends and Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft, as well as the selection of Jaden Reed in the second round where the Packers, as you may have heard, have had plenty of success drafting receivers before. Now it's time to get our friend Bill Barnwell back here on NFL Live for his debut. Bill, wonderful to see you and having you here on NFL Live. And after you see the Packers draft class, what do you expect the identity of this team to actually be? Yeah, Field, I think they're going to run the football more in 2023. And some of those decisions they made in the draft, Kind of add up to that. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft coming in. You have a little more formational versatility now in terms of who you can put out on the field on a snap-after-snap -snap basis. That offensive line, which has been struggling with health the past couple of years, especially David Bakhtiari, their star left tackle, they're the healthiest they've been in a few years. And they still have that great one-two yeah. punch at running back in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So I think they can combine all those factors, maybe take some of the pressure off of Jordan Love, especially early in the season, and get the running game going and make their new quarterback's life just a little bit easier as he replaces a former Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I totally agree about the offense taking pressure off of Love, Bill. I also think Love should be under significantly less pressure than the defense, which deserves far more scrutiny consuming more of the cap with Rodgers off the books and way more draft capital, obviously continuing that theme this year with their first round pick. So I want you to look at the difference in draft capital. First round picks oh invested gosh. in the offense in Green Bay. It's Jordan Love versus eight players 
on this defense, of course, with the most recent being Van Ness. And despite that investment, which again is financial as well, this is a defense that last season finished 26th in EPA per play, 28th in yards per play. Some of that was personnel related. Losing Rashawn Gary to injury really hurt the pass rush. But a ton of it was execution, bad situational football, playing that soft zone coverage that infuriated me in the first half of the season so much. Um, and I think while they did clean up some of that as the year went on, and I suspect that's why their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, still has his job, he's on the hot seat. And I would argue that the entire defense now is under even more pressure to carry their rookie quarterback and live up to all of that expenditure. Yeah, really well said by both of you. That graphic still has me kind of like shook a little bit. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you, Mina. We have why? much more to come here at NFL Live, including more Bill Barnwell. But coming off of a season derailed by injuries, will the Dolphins be able to bounce back in 2023? Here, why Lewis thinks they're primed to go on a run after making the league's biggest move this offseason. Don't stop rock like TikTok. Don't stop clock to break This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This season's NFL schedule release show is happening soon. Our crew will take you through each team's schedule and break down the biggest matchups in the annual two-hour special. Who are Aaron Rodgers and the Jets going to be playing in week one? How about the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs? We'll have it all for you. NFL Network will also have their own show as well. Here's a feel-good moment that we saw earlier today on social media as Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd posted a picture of, on Instagram of himself, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Bill safety Demar Hamlin. This is notable since Higgins was the receiver that Hamlin collided with when he suffered cardiac arrest in the Bills-Bengals game on January 2nd. Very good to see those two men reunite, and they have been extremely supportive of each other throughout this entire situation. Time for us to go on trend where we'll identify a trend for a team last season and then discuss whether or not they've done enough to fix it this offseason. The Bills ran the ball on 35% of their offensive plays last season, the seventh lowest rate in the NFL. As a result, Buffalo's run game relied heavily on Josh Allen, who led them in rushing yards in nine games. No quarterback led their team in rushing yards more often than Allen last season. We start with Bill Barnwell, who's back on NFL Live. Has Buffalo done enough this offseason to take some of the pressure off of Josh Allen in the running game? Yes, Field, I think so. And I think they copied one of their biggest rivals in the AFC, in the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember, Chiefs are facing all those two high defenses in 2021. Didn't have that kind of counterpunch you needed, even with Patrick Mahomes. They go out. 
They, they, they double their tight end usage or two tight end usage after they trade away Tyreek Hill and they bring in Isaiah Pacheco to take over as the power back. Bill's doing the same thing, going out and getting Damian Harris to be their power back and they go out and add Dalton Kincaid in the first round of the drafts. So now you have some formational flexibility in terms of how you can match up on offense, and you force the defense to make a choice. Come out in your base defense against those two tight end packages. Josh Allen throws on you. Come out with five or six defensive backs to try and stop Kincaid and Stephon Diggs, and they're going to run the ball down your throat with Damian Harris. So I think they've gone in the right direction. Sounds like a little bit of a pick-your-poison dynamic set up by that new-look Bills offense. Yeah. Let's go to Minnesota, where the Vikings had one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL last season. They allowed over 192 yards per game just to receivers. That was the worst mark in the NFL. As a result, defensive mm. coordinator Ed Donatel was fired. He was replaced by Brian Flores. So, Mina, I ask you, this is a loaded question, have the Vikings done enough to turn this unit around? <laughs> Uh, this is going to get an incomplete from me. My main quibble with the Vikings defense last year was how dang passive they were. Well, hiring Brian Flores, who's a very aggressive play caller, suggests to me that they want to move away from maybe playing all that south zone coverage, be a little bit more aggressive up front. So that's good. I also think there's a real chance for this pass defense to improve with the return of a couple of second-year players who were injured last year in the secondary. Lewis Seen, safety, Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback. They also signed Marcus Davenport to get after the quarterback. If all three of those players can make an impact combined with Flores, I do think this defense can improve a lot. That was a scary injury for Seen suffered back in London last year. Hope to see him back on the field soon. Let's stay in the NFC North with the Lions, who, much like the division rival Vikings we just discussed, Struggled to defend the pass last season. No team allowed a higher QBR than Detroit, and the Lions allowed nearly eight yards per attempt. That was second worst in the NFL, only ahead of the Bears. Bill, did the Lions have done enough to address this, uh, this offseason, their pass defense? I do feel because I think the secondary was the issue and it's the secondary they fixed. They still had an above average pressure rate and still managed to rank last in QBR. The big move, of course, going out and getting Cam Sutton, uh, star cornerback who was a top 10 player according to Next Gen Stats and coverage last year. You get Chauncey Gardner and Johnson who was tied for the league lead in interceptions despite playing a partial season for the Eagles. Then you go out and you draft Brian Branch who might be the long-term replacement for Gardner Johnson who's on a one-year deal. So now you have versatile pieces to work with for Aaron Glenn in that secondary. And again, they almost made the playoffs last year with the worst pass defense in football. So imagine how good they can be if that pass defense is even league average yeah. in 2023. Nine and eight last year on the precipice of the playoffs. Now they have some real defensive talent in that secondary. Lastly, let's go to Miami where the Dolphins hope their offensive line would improve significantly following the addition of Teron Armstead last offseason. Wasn't exactly the case. The Dolphins were 24th in the NFL in pass block win rate last season. That continues a troubling trend. Since Tua's rookie season back in 2020, Miami has the third worst pass block win rate in the NFL. So, Mina, do think the Dolphins have done, done enough this offseason to improve that O-line? Well, they didn't really do anything, Field. Yeah. So, uh, no. I, I will say this. I think the Dolphins probably see it this way. They had a lot of injuries last year. Guys will be returning. And I will say, there are players on the offensive line that make it a better unit than it was two years ago. But if their left tackle, Teron Armstead, is out for any period of time, and as much as I hate to say it, history suggests he will likely miss a few games, um, this offensive line could be a real problem, especially if defenses force Tua to go beyond his first read, as we saw more often in the second half of last season. And the reason this drives me crazy, or at least makes me concerned, is because otherwise, 
This is one of the most stacked rosters in the NFL. I love everything else they did this offseason, particularly on defense. They should absolutely be contenders in the AFC, but I do worry that any injury to this offensive line that's already fragile could hold them back. Absolutely. I mean, look at that that offense last year. Tua Tagovailoa was number one throwing passes over the middle of the field, but teams noticed, and as the year went on, they started taking away the middle of the field. Tua was just 16th yeah. on throws outside the numbers, and the offensive line, which had to hold up for longer once those quick throws over the middle were taken away, wasn't always able to keep up. On top of that, they need to run the ball in situations where you need to run the ball effectively. Initially, according to Football Outsiders, they were the third worst rushing offense in football in power rushing situations. So the offense line doesn't have mm -hmm. to be great, but can they give Tua enough time and can they run in situations where you need to run to extend drives yeah. and score touchdowns? All right, so Lewis, Bill just kind of mm -hmm. referenced it. Even if the offensive line isn't great this year, the Dolphins have enough elsewhere to overcome some of those offensive line deficiencies? I absolutely believe they do. And look, and when you're talking about the offensive line, I think they need to be helped out from a philosophical standpoint. And that falls on the shoulders of head coach Mike McDaniel, which means, look, just run the football. Just when this team, when teams are trying to take away your dynamic passing game by either running drop eight or running too high when they're you know, rushing traditionally with four and dropping with seven, you've got to run the rock. Because when they do, they showed you. Look, Raheem Mostert can get after it. Jeff Wilson Jr. can get after it. They just drafted Devin A. Chain from Texas A&M in the third round. These guys are burners now, and they are tough as hell. And this offensive line, look, any offensive line will tell you, any offensive lineman will tell you, let me get up on my hands, and let me get up on my toes and come off the football. Let me start smacking this guy in the mouth a little bit so I put some doubt in his mind as far as whether it's going to be run or pass. Because if they're just teeing off on me and I'm an inferior athlete, what's going to happen? And besides, it'll keep two if I'm in the drop back so many times and protect him. Defensively, they are stacked, yeah. man. The mm. best transaction they made this yeah. offseason was hiring Vic Fangio to be the defensive coordinator. And he's got playmakers at all three levels, man. He's got them all. They've got pass rush. I mean, Jalen Phillips is one of the best-looking athletes in the NFL. Christian Wilkins is one of the best pass rush and three techniques in the NFL. They trade for Bradley Chubb. You know, they, they signed David Long in free agency. And in the secondary with Jalen Ramsey and Javon Holland, are you kidding me? Do you know what kind of damage you're going to be able to do with those two guys as interchangeable as they are? Miami is loaded, man. They just need to change philosophically some of their run-pass uh, decisions as far as, you know, when it comes to situational football in particular, in particular on third down. Mm. Remember Buffalo? I remember it. They'll be okay. They're going to be right there with, with the big boys for sure. Yeah, in that loaded AFC East, which is amongst a loaded AFC conference. All right, so can't wait to see how that yeah. all shakes out this upcoming year. Hey, coming up next, the Bears have made a bunch of moves this offseason to try and help Justin Fields take the next step. Stick around here while Matt Miller thinks they've checked all the boxes necessary for a bounce back here. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Soon we're about to see the future of quarterback play in Indianapolis selected here. The Indianapolis Colts select quarterback Peyton Manning. The Indianapolis Colts select Andrew Luck. Quarterback, the Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Quarterback, Florida. I believe that he's going to fit in so perfectly. He can either make your draft or he can break your heart. He's just too good of an athlete. He's just too good of a thrower. You'll see everything that would make Indianapolis want to take this young man right here. All right, time now for some read and react, and we start right there in Indianapolis. The Colts have used seven different starting quarterbacks since Andrew Luck shocked the football world by retiring prior to the 2019 season. The only teams with more during that span, Washington and Denver. Next in line is, of course, Anthony Richardson, who will look to give the Colts some much-needed stability at the quarterback solution position. And, Bill, I should ask you, is Anthony Richardson the solution, or should he start right away? That's a tough question. I, I think he has to play at some point during his rookie season. And I think about a couple things here. Number one, the offense that Shane Steichen helped build for Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Stuff that plays to Anthony Richardson's strengths. Quarterback run game, RPOs, build up his confidence. And I think about Josh Allen, who a couple years ago wasn't very good for the Bills as a rookie, but got really good a couple years later because of what happened to him as a rookie. Let's go to Baltimore now, where Lamar Jackson signed his $260 million contract yesterday. That sounds awesome. Here's what he had to say about his new wide receiver core. Well, I think I told someone, like, man, I want to throw for, like, 6,000 yards with the weapons we have. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm, I'm not an individual award type of guy or a stat watcher, you know. I just want to do that, you know, because no one ever done it, and I feel like we have the weapons to do it. You know, I've been new what, what I was capable of, and I, I thought, you know, we would get the process done. I, I didn't have a doubt in my mind. He said he loved me. You know, I love being here. You know, I love my teammates, and I love the fan base. Kimberly, what do you think of Lamar's 6,000-yard comment? Listen, Phil, to me, it's not a question of whether Lamar can accomplishment, accomplish that. I think it's great that he's even thinking that because it shows his level of focus and the high expectations he has for himself, even though he secured the bag, and the expectations that he has for this revamped offense. Like Nina mentioned earlier, you know, a player playing with one arm behind his back. No player, no QB in my mind has done more with less than Lamar Jackson, so I love it. All right, uh, speaking of quarterbacks that haven't had much to work with, let's go to Chicago where the Bears are trying to surround Justin Fields with some talent. Here's what head coach Matt Eberflew said about that earlier today. Obviously, the priority is the passing game. We ran the ball very well, but uh, we all know that we got to improve in the passing game. And part of that's rhythm and timing. That's the footwork with Justin. Um, and he's really made some big strides in that, in that area. Understanding what the, the vision is for Darnell Wright, what do you hope this next stretch of six or seven weeks is for him? Yeah, just learning our style. I mean, he's close to where we want him to be in terms of the style. We just got to get him to here. I think he's, he's in a good spot, so he's got to learn his game. And that's a process. It takes time to be able to do that. Matt, what do you think of the Bears draft? Yeah, Field, it wasn't the sexiest NFL draft ever trading down from one to nine, but you get a player in Darnell Wright who I thought was the best 
plug-and-play offensive tackle in this year's draft. Yes, he is a right tackle all day. Let's remember Braxton Jones, who they got in the fifth round last year, had a very good rookie season. The future is very bright for him in Chicago. So getting Darnell right on the other side, you've got two young tackles to protect Justin Fields. You add DJ Moore in that trade, so you give him a number one weapon. And then defensively, Matt Eberflus needs pass rushers. They got Gervon Dexter coming out of Florida, who is a high upside player at defensive tackle. Zach Pickens from South Carolina in the third round. Another high upside interior pass rusher who can maybe be that DeForest Buckner type player for them. So I think the Bears are one of the most improved teams in the NFL coming out of the draft. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see five or even six starters come out of this 2023 draft class. They got lots out of their 2022 draft class. Sounds like they might get lots out of their 2023 draft class. Bina, let's sort of flesh this out a bit. What do you think this draft means for Justin yeah. Fields and that Bears offense? Well, they addressed their glaring weakness, of course, in pass protection with the right selection and uh, some of the signings. But I also love that their acquisitions collectively really played to field strengths as a quarterback. Uh, starting with the fact that while Justin was up and down as a passer, one area where he actually shown was throwing to the intermediate area of the field on throws between 10 and 20 yards. He ranked eighth in passer rating. That's just throwing, passer rating. And the Bears' big acquisition, I'll call it a draft pick, DJ Moore, mm. over the last four years, has the fifth most receiving yards on intermediate throws in football. The other thing we know Justin Fields is exceptionally good at is he has a very, very strong arm. And Tyler Scott, the wide receiver they took in the fourth round out of Cincinnati, he can stretch the field. Yep. Coupled with, I think, some very smart, low-cost additions at running back, including Roshan Johnson, who they drafted later this year, I found this to be a very smart and calculated effort to improve the offense in a way that's catered to what Justin does well. Absolutely. I think the offense is in much better shape. And the defense, no question, is better than it was a year ago. Matt pointed out some of the defensive tackle additions they've made. A lot of depth on this roster that wasn't there a couple years ago. But my only concern here is to think about what they had on the pass rush last year. Jaquan Brisker led this team with four sacks. Jaquan Brisker, good player, he's a safety. Your safety should not be leading your team yeah. in sacks. <laughs> and the one thing they did not really address this offseason is they did not go out and get a pass rusher who they can really count on being an impact player in 2023. And I think about the Bears team, they're going to be more competitive this year. But there's going to be so many times in the fourth quarter, they're going to be down four, five, six points. It's going to be third and six. And they're going to be in a spot where they need a sack or a pass pressure to get the ball back to Justin Fields. And Matt Eberflus had Justin Houston, had DeForest yeah. Buckner in Indianapolis. I don't know if they have that guy yet on this roster in Chicago. Yeah, interestingly enough, Bill, we don't often talk about impact free agents available in May, but if there is a position on defense, it seems like yeah. there are some able bodies still available. Yeah. It is maybe the, one of those pass rushers that could help Chicago Great. in ways that Bill is alluding to. When we come back, Giants defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence secured a long-term deal with the team yesterday. But could this spell disaster for Saquon Barkley's contract? Kimberly gives us the update next on NFL Live. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
NFL Live. It's been a busy offseason for the Giants. That began all the way back on March 7th when they signed Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million contract extension. That same day, the Giants placed a franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. However, Barkley has still not signed that franchise tag. The two sides still angling for a long-term deal. And yesterday, the Giants secured a key piece of their defense for the long haul by agreeing to a four-year, $90 million extension with all-pro defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. Let's dive back into the Saquon situation here for a second. And Kimberly, how might the Lawrence deal impact Saquon getting a long-term deal done? Well, Field, hopefully Dexter Lawrence knows something because he said, you know what, Saquon Barkley, he's going to get what he deserves because he is a tremendous talent. And I think, you know, obviously the Giants have locked up guys that they want to keep and Saquon is a priority for them. But here's the reality. The Giants offered a deal last season, was turned down, and now they've placed the franchise tag on him, which is for less than what they offered Saquon. So something has to give. At least it's either going to be Saquon says, you know what, I'm going to sign the tag because this is where I want to be, or we drag this out a little bit longer and see if both sides can come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. We've seen what Joe Shane wants to focus on when it's come to the big investments he's made so far as a GM. They went out and to Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal in the first round last year. Two linemen, one defensive, one offensive. They now give Dexter Lawrence a much-deserved, by the way, much enormous deal. They pay Daniel Jones, another mm-hmm. premium position at quarterback. And so the question for me is now, if you had a rookie quarterback, like the Giants maybe were planning when they turned down Jones' fifth-year option last year, going after Saquon would make total sense because you're not spending much at quarterback. Why not invest more on the pieces around that quarterback? But now that Daniel Jones is making a lot of money, kind of feels like he's going to be the focal point of your offense. And if you have that money to spend on a playmaker, maybe you spend it on a wide receiver, like perhaps if DeAndre Hopkins fever becomes available, or someone next year, as opposed to Saquon on a long-term deal. But, but Bill, mm. D-Hop said on Instagram recently, who said that he wanted to get out of Arizona? <laughs> I don't believe you, DeAndre. Let's dive back into last week's NFL draft, in which the Giants were busy in the first round. They moved up to select Maryland cornerback Deontay Banks. He put on a show at the Combine back in March. In the second round, they addressed their addressing on the offensive line by drafting Minnesota center John Michael Schmitz. He was Mel Kuyper Jr.'s top-ranked center prospect. Then they added a big play threat in former Tennessee wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. Sorry, Alabama fans, he had five touchdowns against them last year. I mean, does this draft class enable the Giants <laughs> to continue the success they had last season? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the way I see it, the Giants with their first three picks – address their three biggest problems last season Uh, starting with the first round and that would be pass coverage look their defensive coordinator Wink Martindale has never seen a blitz he didn't want to call but even he dialed it back last year at the end of the season because some of the deficiencies at cornerback so to get Deontay Banks who as you alluded to is an incredibly athletic physical capable of being that shutdown corner I think Martindale desires was a huge pick for him the other issue interior pass protection what do they do? They signed the best center in the draft, or draft the best center in the draft in John Michael Schmitz. And then finally, I would say the third issue that the Giants had last year was they were incapable of stretching the field. You get Jalen Hyatt, who you know is not a complete wide receiver yet, but I'll tell you one thing he does have, that is field tilting speed. And he will create so much spacing for this Giants run game and what they do with their tight ends underneath. So. To me, the way I look at this draft, it was a really nice marriage between need and value, and they certainly got the best players available. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think 
Look, I think general manager Joe Shane has done a fantastic job. I think starting in the offseason, prioritizing Daniel Jones over Saquon Barkley, although it may not have been the popular emotional decision, was the right team-building decision. You had to go with the quarterback because what Mike Kafka and Brian Dayball did with Daniel Jones last year was nothing short of remarkable, and that was without having premium talent around him, particularly on the perimeter. They've got that this year, okay? They've got Paris Campbell now added to the fold. they got Jalen Hyatt you know, added to the fold. They have Darren Waller added to the fold. The offensive line is going to be great now. Well, not great. Well, let's just see how it's going to be. I think it's going to be much more solid now inside out with the drafting of John Michael Smith as long as the tackles continue to develop, primarily Evan Neal. And on the defensive side, look, Deontay Banks is a stud. Mm. He is an absolute yeah. stud. Maybe the... Maybe pound for pound, the top two most explosive player in the entire draft. So I think overall, this football team now is setting itself up to be able to play the kind of game that they want to play, okay, which is they want to be multiple in offense. They want to be able to push the ball down the field and let Daniel Jones go a little bit as far as throwing the football because now they have you know more confidence in the weaponry that they have. They want to play high-pressure defense, let, go, let the front four go ahead and rush. Maybe bring five and six on occasion because they have secondary people to cover. Deontay Banks helps them do that. I like what they're doing this offseason. They've been very methodical, and I think it'll pay dividends because they have one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. One thing I love during the draft was seeing Wink Martindale in, in their draft room getting all excited about some get picks. But think about Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable. This is a new regime. As much as they've made the playoffs, like we have to give them time to build the team the right way. They came from Buffalo. They know that it takes a long time to build a team the right way. But I'm most excited for Daniel Jones because you get to see, as you alluded to, Lewis, you get to see him with more weapons and you get to see what his ceiling can be, how he can take another step to be the kind of quarterback mm. that this team needs. Yeah, certainly a team that made the most out of what they had last year. It was a very, very unfamiliar group of wide receivers. And players signed off of yeah. practice squads around the league, starting for the Giants on defense by the end of the season. Time now for one more thing. Before we go, we check in on Colts GM Chris Ballard, and here's how much information they were willing to share about their quarterback search before the draft. All right, so look, we don't talk about these quarterbacks outside of school. I don't want any discussion about these quarterbacks. Not with your buddies, not with your friends. I, I don't, not with your, like my wife, she turn that down. I mean, not not even his wife, Bill. She couldn't be the secret. <laughs> that is crazy. I mean, they they've gone through seven quarterbacks in seven years. I I I would also not tell anybody. Yeah. Probably smart for them to be as tight-lipped as they were. NFL yeah. Live is back on Monday. Good job, everybody.